It is time for another episode of the Box Jumper Podcast. I'm your host, John St. Amand. If you've listened before, welcome back. If you're a first-timer, welcome. Whichever camp you're part of, be sure to follow me on social media. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, with the handle at BoxJumperOver40. That's over and then digits four zero. And of course, if you're listening on your favorite podcasting app, be sure to click that subscribe button so you get the next episode of the podcast automatically when it drops. I have a fantastic guest with me for this episode. If you're a voracious CrossFit podcast listener, or if you follow CrossFit on social media, you may already have heard of Scott Schweitzer. He's the host of a pair of CrossFit-focused podcasts, and on August 21st, CrossFit Inc. released an eight-minute mini-documentary on YouTube telling Scott's inspirational story of finding a new lease on life and a new passion beginning in 2011. He is a CrossFit Level 1 coach, media director for the affiliate at which he trains, Shred CrossFit in Plain City, Ohio. He hosts uh, a podcast for that gym in addition to hosting the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends podcast with co-hosts Amy and Kat, as well as his new podcast, Beyond the Journal, which he co-hosts also with Kat Shearer. He's also volunteered at countless CrossFit competitions, including CrossFit regionals, back when that was a thing, and at the CrossFit Games. And all that is his side hustle, which continues to grow. He's got a day job on top of all that. How and why does he do it? Well, in 10 seconds, we'll talk to Scott about all of his passions for all things CrossFit, a journey that started almost 10 years ago when this fitness buff tipped the scales at over 500 pounds. Here we go. Scott Schweitzer, welcome to the Box Jumper Podcast. Thank you, John. How are you? I'm good. Um, you've got uh, you've got a busy schedule. Um, you've got multiple podcasts that you manage at the same time. And of course, this is the beginning of the CrossFit Games, which I'm sure is adding to your schedule a little bit with all the commentary that you're doing. So I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, jump on the line and, and talk to me and hopefully share some really interesting tidbits about your story with the folks that listen to the Box Jumper podcast. Yeah, it's a it's a busy time of the year, but I'm honored to to be on. So thank you for having me. Uh, my pleasure. Uh, I, I was really pleased when I when I reached out right around the time that the documentary came out um, that we'll touch on in a little bit. Um, you know, I was I was thrilled that you responded right away, and I asked a couple of direct questions, and you got back to me. So um, you know, I, I I just immediately wanted to have an opportunity to chat with you and ask a few questions and share your story because you know, uh, of all the people that I've talked to on the podcast, some of the people that have had the most interesting stories to tell are just everyday people that discovered discovered fitness and discovered a new passion when they wound up walking into a box. Um, and you know, some of them I've, I've known for years and others I've just met in my travels. And, um, you know, I think the interesting part of the, the technology side of things is we get to meet people like that and hear stories like that from people all around the world. Um, and, uh, so when the documentary about your story came out, um, it resonated with me because I, you know, I've got family members, um, that I've been trying to get to, to come into the box. And, and, you know, I, I think the journey that you've taken is, similar to so many other stories that are out there and some of them haven't even begun yet. So why don't we, why don't we just jump back into who you are and 
what what your what your life was like growing up. Were you a were you a big sport kid uh, when you were growing up? Uh, I was a huge sport kid. Um, if I wasn't playing a sport, I was in the backyard with my friends uh, playing pickup games with whatever whatever we could. So yeah, I played a sport pretty much every season uh, the whole way through high school. Nice. Have you been in Ohio all along? Uh, I grew up in Pennsylvania. Okay. Uh, and I was there until uh, the age of 25. And then I moved to Florida for four years mm-hmm. and then moved to Ohio. And I've been here ever since. And so, um, you know, was did you play sports through into high school and into your college years? So uh, in high school, I played um, football and swimming. Those were my big two. I threw, uh, I say I threw track. Uh, I did not run, but I threw discus and javelin. And then, um, and I dropped baseball in high school just cause I had to work in the summer. Right. And then when I got to college, I continued, I walked on, uh, at Ohio state for a minute, uh, and then realized that, uh, swimming in college wasn't really, uh, in the cards for me. So I retired and, uh, then just did like intramural type sports. Right. Cool. Now, swimming and football, how different were those seasons from one another in terms of what their what their priorities were and what your training was like between those two sports? Uh, for me, it was completely opposite. Um, we had a guy on the team that did both, but he was a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. So it, he he was supposed to be small for football, too. Uh, and rely on quickness, but I actually played right tackle offensive line and defensive end, Mm -hmm. uh, where, uh, I had to bulk up for football and then try to get as small as I could, uh, for swimming every year. Wow. That's, that has to have been a challenge. Yeah. I swam at like 175 and I Mm -hmm. played football at around 200. Well, and how much time did you have between those two seasons to make that change? Uh, so swimming usually ended early spring, late winter. Uh, so bulking up for football was the fun part and the easiest. I had the most time, uh, going from football to swimming to drop the weight. I had about two weeks. Wow. So I would do like a crash diet, get as much off as I could. And then naturally just getting back in the pool, I would, I would just shed weight once I started swimming again. Yeah. So which, which sport did you, I mean, did you gravitate towards one or the other in the end or, or was it just a equal, equal passion with the two? Uh, I was probably a better swimmer, uh, cause it, at playing offense and defensive line at 200 pounds, even in high school was, I was very undersized, right. had all the heart in the world, but, um, but just didn't have the, the mass to take on some of the bigger athletes, uh, swimming, uh, I, you know, I finished fourth in the state in, in one of my events. Uh, I competed at the national level, so I was much better at swimming. Wow. So were they, um, were they sprints or, or long distance or both? Uh, I was primarily a distance swimmer. And then uh, late in my high school career, I started doing uh, the 200 individual medley, which is uh, two laps of every stroke. And that I actually enjoyed the most. That was probably the most fun I ever had swimming. Nice. So 
you, you know, you clearly you had a, a high degree of fitness, and you you must have a cardio engine to to have been able to to be a swimmer. Um, how did you wind up putting weight on after you stopped in those sports? Uh, pretty much just that, I you know, stopping the sports. Uh, when I was swimming, I I would swim two hours before school every morning, and I'd swim two and a half hours after school. And wow. just that amount of activity, I needed a lot of calorie intake just to to maintain uh, my fitness level through that that period. Right. And when I stopped that, uh, the weight just started coming on because. I had trained myself to eat in a way that wasn't healthy for a sedentary person. Right. So what, what did you wind up doing after like outside of sport? What did you wind up doing for a career when you, when you left college behind and, and you know, what, what helped, what contributed to um, having a sedentary lifestyle? Was it just that you just didn't have a, a passion outside of your, your day to day to keep you physically active? So when I was in college, I would play a lot of uh, basketball and stuff with my friends. And and college was a struggle for me. I really didn't know what I wanted to do when I grew up. And uh, as I tell people, I was on the 15-year plan for college. <laughs> uh, but in that time, I, I started taking on different jobs. So uh, probably at the age of 25, that's when I moved to Florida. Um, I got a job with the state of Florida as a statistician with no college degree and uh, started working there and realized that I was only going to get so far without a degree. So I started going to community college at night. Um, So when you start doing the work 40 hours a week, college in the evenings, uh, you don't have a lot of extra time. I would try to go to like the Globo gym and get on the elliptical or the treadmill uh, and do those things. But that, that time kept shrinking and shrinking. Well, it loses its appeal in short order too, because it's not the most exciting way to stay fit. It it is not, especially compared to what you were used to. Right? Yeah, I had a, I had so much variety in my fitness in high school because I did a little bit of everything. Yeah, and even and, when I, I wasn't mean, doing sport, like for me to go, I just for fun, I would run the cross country trail at our high school, you know, which is I think a five k. Uh, just out of the blue, I would do it. And it was when you're swimming and that cart, your cardio is way up. You can bang one of those out in, in a heartbeat. Yeah. I, I quickly discovered when I attempted a triathlon that it doesn't work in the other direction though. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I was a pretty solid runner and then I got in the water and I almost died. It, it's, it's just amazing how your fitness only translates in one direction. Uh, I think it had everything to do with my skill level of being able to stay moving and, and, uh, keep my heart rate down once I hit the water. But, uh, it's interesting because like, so both of those sports, I mean, swimming is, a a little bit of a different animal because you're, you're on a team, but it is a little bit individualized, but you're still in a team environment. Whereas on the football team, you're, you're quite obviously in a a very deliberately team environment. Is it because you're a social animal? Is that something that, that you just gravitate towards? You weren't a, you weren't a guy that really liked to do things completely on your own. I am an extrovert for sure. Um, I definitely gained my energy by being around other people. Uh, so being on teams was, was crucial for me. Cause that's, it's like a club, right? You, you yeah. guys, you suffer together, you go through wins and losses together. 
Uh, you commiserate in the locker room afterwards. Uh, you you celebrate when things are going well. Uh, that's just that's how where I got my energy. Right. So once you got settled into your career, but you were also still doing school at the same time. Uh, I mean, how did you how did you balance that with the need to try to stay in shape? I mean, you said that you tried the the Globo Gym thing, um, but it it didn't stick. Um, so it, at at what point did that start to really just fall away for you? Was it just you didn't have the time? And I know that when you're trying to do something like a full time career and try to do school at the same time, you look for every shortcut you possibly can um, in order to make use of your time. So I have to imagine that that would have an impact on your diet as well. So probably the pivotal moment was moving back to Ohio. Um, I enrolled in college as soon as we got here. Uh, I got a job at a finance company and um, and the time was so small. And then that's when um, my wife and I uh, decided to get pregnant. She had a or we had a baby girl. And so I finished school with an infant um, and a full-time job. And there really was no time at that point to get any mm. fitness in at all. Right. Yeah. I know from certainly the years when my kids were young, it was <laughs> fitness was not a priority. It just wasn't something that I could, I don't know. It's, it's something that in my head I knew I needed to make time for, but it was always one of the first things that I would sacrifice because it was, in my mind, it was a, a time suck and I could come back to it later and I just never really wound up doing so. Um, you know, I, and I had fits and starts myself in trying to get back into shape, um, you know, after I felt like I started to lose my fitness um, when my kids were growing up. And it's, it's challenging because as a parent, you you wind up prioritizing the things that you know benefits your family first and the things that prioritize you second. Well, and what's crazy is it's probably the time in life when you need the most energy. Very true. Yeah. You know, and uh, so we think we're prioritizing it correctly, but we're probably not because we probably right. aren't as good of a parent if we're not as fit and not able to run with the kids and, and do all the things you want to do as a parent. Yeah, that's for sure. And, and now that my kids are a little bit older, I don't have that same criteria, but I'm also starting to think about the future for myself as well. I'd, uh, I'd like to make sure that I have the energy to play with future as yet not on the way grandkids. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, and I think about the, the people that I work out with and they're in that mode right now and, and they're very much benefiting from what they're doing and they're out playing with their grandkids. And so, uh, you know, I, I've, it's weird to me that in my mid forties, I'm already thinking that way, but I, I think it's just the, the shift in mindset that I've had since getting started on this crazy CrossFit journey. So yeah. When so, how long into your career before you started to look again, or or how long after your kids were starting to grow up, did you start looking for ways to get fit again? Well, before I did that, I, I ended up going back to school again for my master's degree. Oh wow! Um, which <laughs> which just sent me down even a, a bigger spiral into unfit. Um, mm -hmm. And as, as we kind of talked about in the documentary, at that point, I, I'd almost given up on myself. 
from a fitness level. I just, I, I had gained so much weight because um, I was going to night school and you're living on Mountain Dew and Skittles and fast food because you don't have time to cook anything. Yeah. And that's when I had gotten to the 500 plus pounds. I uh, was probably getting my, my master's degree. Right. And I, I'm sure it didn't help that your job itself would, you know, have you sitting at a desk for long periods of time as well. Correct. Yeah. It, um, and it, what's, what's great looking back, like, I can't even believe I was pulling it off at the weight I was, I was doing a lot of traveling around the country. Uh, I did not fit well in plane seats. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it just, it was really an uncomfortable life and I, and it just sent me into a depression, uh, that I didn't think I could ever recover from. Right. And that's when kind of like the miracles started happening that got me to realize that there are, there are bigger things in life and that, that I could go back and get after something. Mm -hmm. So what were some of the things that started to happen that, that, uh, gave you that realization? So I, I think I said in the documentary, like, you know, I'd given up, I was ready to, to ride out my life. And, and if I died tomorrow, I died tomorrow. And, and then in my, in my eyes, God showed me what that was going to be like. Um, I woke up one morning and I couldn't see, and it really freaked me out as, uh, it, it was called a myopic flip. So my vision went from, from being nearsighted to being farsighted. So everything within, you know, 10, 15 feet was super blurry and I could not see it. Mm. And so I scrambled to my eye doctor to find out what's going on. He looked at my eyes and said, you need to get to your family physician immediately. I went to my family physician and my A1C, which is a, a hemoglobin test to find out how much your blood sugar is, was in the very, very dangerous level. And they put me on diabetic medicine immediately. And, and at that point I was like, man, if this is the way I'm going out, I don't, I don't want to go this way. And so I I was looking for answers. I was having a hard time finding them, but I was, I was searching at that point. And that's when the, the windstorm happened uh, in my backyard and, and lifted the gazebo off my back porch and drove it into my neighbor's house who I'd never really formally met yet. Hmm. And that's when I went out to, to clean up the mess and he was out there as well. And he ended up being uh, a CrossFit coach. So that's when you met Marcus. That's when I met Marcus. So, uh, I, I can't imagine that his, the first thing he said was, Hey, join my gym. Uh, what, what was your introduction to Marcus like? So at first, it, for the cleaning up of that mess, he never even said what he did. Uh, we just kind of met each other. He helped me kind of get the the rubble uh, cleaned up and, and put yeah. in a place where we could keep moving. And then we invited them over for, we do a campfire every night, every Halloween, and invited him and his wife over to hang out. And that's when I found out he was the CrossFit coach. And he puts it in the in the documentary that that's, when he said what he did for a living is when I stopped talking completely. Mm. And, and I know that, that he believed that I was afraid of what he did, but really it just started um, a thought process. Cause I was, I was in that search mode. I was looking for answers 
And it was, how can I leverage my next door neighbor to help me get out of this? So you already saw him as as a, a potential ally in this. I, I did, um, but I didn't know how to approach him about it. Right. So th- th- there's a lot of like back and forth at that moment. Just do I trust him? I, I only knew I only really talked to him twice mm-hmm. at this point. And so where do you go from there? And that's that was that whole beginning stage. And it took a good six months. Uh, for me to kind of wrap my head around that and finally ask him for help. Uh, I mean, considering you had only just met him as a result of the the windstorm, really, did you wind up having much interaction with him over the course of those six months to to kind of let your let your guard down and allow you to to let him in a little bit? Uh, we became much more friendly after after the windstorm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, every time he was out, we'd stop and chat and talk. Um, it just, I, I just. I need I think I needed to build up that trust in him that I could I could be open and honest and um it it's such a it's such a weird mindset that that someone who's morbidly obese we know we're we know we're overweight we know we're obese but for some reason we think by wearing a a bigger shirt or something we're hiding it for the time being um and, and I wish I wish that was something that we could get through faster for people who were in the same situation I was. Mm-hmm. Right. So what, when you, when you finally decided to approach him formally for a little bit of help, what did that conversation wind up looking like? Was it, were you there to ask questions or, or um, you know, what, what kind of approach did you take in bringing Marcus into your life in, in that capacity? Yeah. So a couple other things happened right before I asked him and it was, I was at a, a business conference. Mm-hmm. Um, I went through like a, a hellacious windstorm um, where I sat and watched kind of a rainstorm and stuff fly across the parking lot. And, and uh, I actually prayed for help. And the next morning there was a, a, a seminar at the conference about how fat-free foods are creating a diabetic society. Yeah, I remember in in uh, I've I've listened to interviews with you before and I remember you talking about that and how um how revelatory that particular session was. And I think that's what gave me the confidence to when I get home, uh, I'm going to talk to Marcus and see if he can help me. Yeah. And so when I got home, uh he was walking his dog uh, at the time, they had a uh, a Great Dane, massive dog. Uh, That's a massive Quinn. dog. <laughs> and but the cutest thing ever. And so he was walking his dog in in front of my house, and I ran out the screen door and I said, "Hey, Marcus, um, basically, I need help. I'm coming to you. I I need to I need to lose weight. I need to figure this thing out. And would you help me?" Mm-hmm. And he said, I've been praying that you would ask me that question. And so he took his dog into his house. He came out and talked to me for maybe five or 10 minutes. And he said, Hey, let's, let's get, let's get together this Sunday afternoon and just sit down and, and, and have a dedicated conversation. Mm -hmm. And so he came over to my house that Sunday and really kind of spelled out um, a nutrition plan. And very 
small goals for me to achieve. That's fantastic. And, and so, and it, the small goals could have been, Hey, this week I want you three times to walk down to the end of the street and back. Mm-hmm. And so I would, I would take on those goals uh, little by little. And I really dove into the nutrition plan and he made it super easy because he would come over every day to check on me. Oh, wow. Um, just to see how I was doing. And so, uh, you know, the support that he gave me, uh, I, I couldn't ask for more or I couldn't, and I couldn't ask for a better friend in that moment. How prescriptive was the, the change to your diet? You know what, it, what everybody thinks that there's this like magic pill. He's like, this is what I want you to do when you're hungry. I want you to eat when you're not, I don't want you to eat. And when you do eat, I want you to eat stuff that you look at and say, this is going to be good for my body. If it's not good for your body, toss it. Yeah. And it was as simple as that. I didn't count anything. I didn't uh, look at macros. I didn't look at, you know, points or anything like that. It was as simple as when I'm hungry, eat and look at it and say, is it going to help my body or hurt my body? That certainly makes it a lot more accessible. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it helped me lose, you know, 250 pounds, just that simple concept. That's incredible. So uh, so did it change what you were shopping for to, to bring home for in terms of groceries? Oh yeah. Like we, because you were predicting, you were predicting the answer to, is it good for my body or not? That's, that was our philosophy shopping as well. Yeah. If it, if it was bad for my body, we didn't buy it. Right. And so what that did is it created a whole household of health. Uh, Cause my wife ended up losing 90 pounds. Uh-huh. Um, my mother jumped on board. She lost 125 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my daughter was super fit. She was a great CrossFitter as a, as a young teen. Um, you know, it, it totally changed our lives. Wow. So that, that kind of lifestyle change, even without ever having darkened the door at the gym, how long did it take before you started incorporating? Well, I mean, he had already prescribed the idea of going for, for walks. Um, how, how long did it take to escalate your, um, your activity plan in concert with the changes that you were making in your diet? So it escalated from, you know, walk to the end of the block, do that kind of stuff. Um, then it went to, Hey, I want you to go to the Y and I want you to either swim. I want you to do the elliptical. I want you to get in like 45 minutes of activity four or five days a week. Like it just kept increasing. Yeah. And, and as I kept doing that, um, then it got into, it was like six months in, he said, Hey, I want you to come to my gym. And he invited me to, uh, his CrossFit gym on 11, 11, 11 hmm. v- veterans day, 2011. And, uh, so I always say the best day to start a new life is a day that starts with all ones. And I walked in and that's when I saw the word Murph on the board. Oh dear and Lord. And he almost lost me. <laughs> yeah. 
he'd lose a lot of veterans on on that day, veterans of CrossFit that is uh, on that day. Murph is no joke. Yeah, when I when I didn't even get past the first mile run, mm-hmm. and I was like, "There's no way. There's just no way I can do this." And what is what is he doing, bringing me here to do this? And at that time, a couple of the the veterans of of CrossFit that were going there came over and welcomed me, um, shook my hand, were excited to see me there, you know. And I was still like four hundred plus pounds at this point, mm-hmm. and I was like, what? They're excited to see me. I'm going to die. And then Marcus finally came out of his office and that's when he explained that like, yeah, this is what's on the board and this is what the majority of the athletes are going to do, but this is what we're going to do for you. So you, you receive the same stimulus, right? And you're still going to, you're still going to feel the same soreness. You're going to feel the same muscle fatigue that they do. You're just going to do it a little bit differently. Right. And so that's, uh, that made Murph kind of a magical, uh, workout for me. Um, and I did it that day. It was super, super modified, but I was, I was gassed. Um, I'll bet I, I was sore and, but I wanted more. It was like the, the first time one of the goals he gave me, gave me that much satisfaction. That's terrific. And obviously gave you a a hint at what would be to come as well. I mean, the idea of um, just immediately scaling the workout to give you that same stimulus, but modifying the movements to make them achievable. um, I mean, that's right out of the gate. That gives you an idea of what you're going to face as you continue to work out in that environment. Um, Was that something that you had ever conceived of before? Never. And it, and it lit a fire of my, like I was a competitor my whole life. Mm. Um, and before I, you know, retired from everything and, um, and it lit this like, oh my gosh, it's a sport. This isn't working out. This is a sport. Right. How old was your daughter by the time you got started in CrossFit to, to allow you to have the time to now dedicate to returning to fitness? Uh, so she was 10. Okay. And what was nice about, uh, the, the gym that we, we started with and are still there today is there were other families with kids around the same age Mm -hmm. and we were, we were super small at the time and we shared a space with a volleyball center. Mm -hmm. And so the kids would all like hang out together in the volleyball center while we were working out. Oh, that's great. So that's, that began the journey and, uh, really just never looked back. And, and Marcus was an amazing coach and still is to this day. And, uh, and I, and I, and I love him forever for what he did. I mean, it's, it's incredible. The, the, the reach and the power that a coach in that environment can have into, not just what you do in the gym, but the lifestyle that you maintain outside the gym that then turns around and contributes to your health and wellness and your ability to perform in the gym, your, you know, your mental health outside the gym. There's, there's a lot of different facets that, um, we as coaches, um, don't always realize, um, how big that impact can be until we meet athletes like you, 
Um, you know, like it, because we get a lot more feedback from someone coming in that has a has a specific goal, has a challenge to overcome, scales in the beginning, and starts working their way back to the lifestyle that they've hoped to achieve. Um, so it's it's incredible that you've you know you, you were just incredibly lucky to to wind up making that connection and being able to break down those barriers so that you were able to get your get that athletic fire back in your life. Um, and it sounds like, I mean, you've, you've clearly thrown yourself into the community, um, since 2011, you've, you've come up through in an enviable time in CrossFit when CrossFit was relatively, I mean, it was, it was growing at that point, but it wasn't the, the huge well-name, uh, well-known name that it is now. Um, tell me a little bit about how the CrossFit community around you and uh, built up and how you got involved to the degree that you are now. I mean, I see plenty of photos with with you and some of the most uh, well-known athletes in the sport uh, that you've met at regionals and going to the games. So how did all that wind up getting started? So uh, as, as most CrossFitters know, when I started at the gym, like I became friends with a lot of the people there. You know, you just start having the same interests and the same, and we, we formed flag football teams, we formed softball teams. Um, and so we were hanging out doing, playing other sports as well as just doing the CrossFit. And it was 2014. Uh, I was beginning to love watching the games and my buddy, Mike, I said to him, Hey, they're asking for volunteers at the central East regional in Cincinnati. Why don't we sign up and see if we can get in? Not thinking we would ever have a chance. So we signed up and lo and behold, we actually get picked. He got picked to be security and I got picked to work the media credential desk. Mm -hmm. And it was the coolest experience ever. The desk was right off. I mean, back then the setups weren't as elaborate as they are today. Right. Um, We were right right off the back end of the rig. So while I was at the table, like I I could see the rig as plain as day and watch all of the events. uh, Like they were right there in front of me. That's amazing. And I got to meet like all the media members because they had to come through my table. So that's where I met like Bill Grundler. Um, I met uh, Kiki Dixon, Mm -hmm. all of those people back in, in the day. And we, we all ate lunch together. I actually ate lunch with Bill Grundler before I even really knew who he was. Uh, I just knew it was a guy that looked like Wolverine. And then, <laughs> um, and then after it was all over, the athletes were just hanging out. So that's where I met like Rich Froning and I met Julie Fouché. And so it, it just kind of lit a fire of these people are awesome and I just want to be around them. And so I have volunteered at, I'd volunteered at every regional other than Minnesota moving forward. And then I've actually worked the games and I've worked rogue and I work the Arnold affiliate gathering every year. Um, and I just, I always want to be a part of it. Uh, yeah. I want to give back to the community that gave me so much. And I've made a lot of friends and all over the country, which is awesome. Cause whenever we run into each other, it's still a big hug and, and glad to see you. And we still chat on social media all the time. Yeah. Uh, it's it's the coolest thing that could ever happen uh, to a guy in his 40s and now turned 50. Wow. 
And I mean, most most of all of those initial connections, anyway. You were you were right in the thick of it even before I managed to join CrossFit. I didn't start until the fall or winter of 2015. Uh, at which point I was just learning the name Rich Froning, <laughs> and you had already met the guy. Yeah. Um, speaking of, so giving back to the community, um, you are uh, a level one CrossFit coach yourself. Um, what made you decide to to go that route? Was it just more of the same of of this notion, this this desire to give back to the community? So I, I'd always wanted to be a coach growing up mm-hmm. um, in in a sport. I didn't know it was going to be become this. Um, and I did a little bit of coaching of football after after high school. Mm-hmm. And so I talked to Marcus and said, "Hey, I'm I'm interested in coaching. I'm thinking about getting my level one. Um, what do you think about that?" And so we kind of talked about what the process would be. Mm-hmm. And at the time, our gym was really growing. Um, and we only had two coaches on staff. Mm-hmm. And so my friend, Amy, who's a, a co-host of my podcast, she, she also wanted to be a coach at the exact same time. So her and I signed up to get our level one and here Marcus's was about to expire. So he signed up and all three of us went and got our level one on the same weekend. Oh, that's terrific. And, uh, the coolest thing happened. We were sitting there waiting for the, the session to start and, and Julie Fouché walked out as one of our instructors. <laughs> wow. And so, uh, I got my level one as with Julie Fouché as being an instructor and, and her and I have, uh, formed a friendship over the years, uh, that I, I could never have imagined would have happened. Uh, she recognizes me whenever she sees me, she comes and gives me a hug and, uh, and, and she, has, she's just so busy. Um, and I hate to take advantage of our friendship, but she's been our, on our podcast once, um, mm-hmm. and has tried to come on another time, but uh schedules just didn't mesh, but, uh, she's an amazing person. And, and so it was cool to get it with her and with my friends and then to come back and use all that stuff I learned, uh, to help others, uh, who were in the same spot I was. Do you wind up um, as an L1, do you wind up in the position in your gym to being part of the introduction to athletes that are coming into the gym? So for a while I did, um, I did our foundations program. Mm-hmm. Uh, we rotated that through a little bit and then I had a couple classes a day. Uh, right now I'm on a sabbatical from, from all that because I actually do our gym's podcast and, uh, and I'm going through a little bit of a health issue right now. Uh, so I'm trying to devote more time to getting healthy and getting myself back on track. Uh, but I am scheduled to get my L2 in about four weeks. So, oh, that's fantastic. I'll be curious to know how it goes. I, I'm, my L1 is due next fall. Uh, my intention is to get my L2 before that happens. Um, but uh, And the only one that's scheduled even close to where I am right now, in light of the pandemic and everything, cutting back the schedule, isn't until January. So um, maybe I'll wind up looking to do it then, or I might wait in, until the next one, depending on what the timing winds up being. But uh, I, I'm pretty keen to take that next step, uh, just because it's you know it's another one of those that stepping stone, I just find the, the subject matter fascinating. So the idea of going through that second tier of, of training um, with the seminar staff is really appealing to me. 
Yeah, I, uh, the pandemic has really messed with mine. I was scheduled in the spring. Uh, it got canceled, mm-hmm. uh, postponed until August. That got postponed again. Um, and now it's October. So right. I'm hoping this one goes off. With any luck. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, w- what have been some of your favorite moments coaching? Um, you know, are there any, any standout moments, um, with you at the front of the room or you working one-on-one with an athlete? I I have to say it's, it's for us, we make the open a pretty big deal. Mm -hmm. We, we split our gym into teams, uh, and we do like a team competition. So we, each team has a color, so it's team orange or team purple or team red. And you coach your athletes through the open. And I think that's where all this, all the work you've put in over the past weeks, months, years kind of comes to fruition as people try to, to, to do their best in the open. And when you see that person you've been working with get their first pull up or their Mm. first double under or whatever it may be like that, though, that makes me more excited than when I get a PR. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, I would agree with you there. The the number of times that I've worked with someone um, for months and they've been working on their strength, they've been working on their um, their conditioning, they've been working on a skill movement, and you know, for for whatever reason, it just seems like a lot of those things um, all seem to happen at the same time. And and very often, there's PRs set during the open, and it's you know, it's the excitement, it's the community, it's it's everybody being there to cheer. Um, and it's absolutely fantastic to watch them do something that previously they were struggling to do. Um, and as long as you can get them to realize that it's, it's something that is, um, you know, it's in the cards, it's something that they just need to work on. Um, they just have to tack the word on yet when they talk about not having a particular skill, then eventually they wind up being able to do it. Yeah. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, moments where the whole gym just erupts, uh, for an athlete who's been working so hard and, and it finally comes to fruition and you have 80 people jumping up and down and screaming because like they just accomplished the same thing. Oh yeah. So uh, the documentary that CrossFit launched in August, um, that, told a sliver of your story. I mean, in eight minutes, there's only so many different facets of it that they can tell. And you've, you've expanded on it considerably in, in talking to me. How did that documentary come about? Uh, so that's, that's kind of crazy. I was, um, I was volunteering at mayhem for the mayhem classic in January. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I actually was out with, uh, some injuries, which I talked about in the documentary. And so that was the first time I, I decided to volunteer and thought that my body could handle the pounding of, of three days of volunteering at an event. Mm-hmm. And so I, I went ahead and went and because I, I'm friends with some of the people down in Cookville, uh, they, they got my friend Mike and I on this, on the staff for the weekend. And we went down just to hang out and have a good time with them. And, uh, on the last night they had a, a volunteer appreciation party at one of the local breweries in Cookville. And I'm, I'm standing at the bar just having a beer and this guy's talking to me 
and and I was I was in a weird mental state and he was kind of like talking me up and he said by the way I'm Mike Coslap and uh have you ever seen this documentary and that documentary I'm like oh yeah they've been on the journal he goes I'm the one who filmed those and I'd like to film your story and I was like what and uh and so at that moment we just we exchanged numbers and we kind of talked back and forth and again the pandemic pandemic kind of messed with schedules and different things like that and mm. and it was in in July right after the Glassman stuff kind of went down right that he called me and said hey they want to get some documentaries out really fast mm-hmm. and can I come to your house in like 8 days I was like, okay. Uh, so we, we cleaned up the house and he came in and uh, he, he worked with us for two full days, uh, which is crazy that he got all that down to eight minutes, but um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's how it kind of came about. And one of the funny stories is I was sitting at the bar talking to him or standing there. He said, he says to me, he says, what would you do if, if Dan Bailey was looking over your shoulder at a bar? And I said, what? He said, what would you do if Dan Bailey was looking over your shoulder at a bar? And I turn and there's Dan Bailey's face, like right in front of me. <laughs> and so that, that was kind of a fun little moment um, mm-hmm. uh, w- with Dan uh, at that moment. So, yeah. That's incredible. So uh, not long ago, you launched your, your own podcast with co-hosts, um, Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. What inspired you to to go that route? I mean, um, from what I understand, you had already been doing the podcast for your gym up until that point. Um, Correct. What what uh, what prompted you to to create your own? So, I, I was working a job that I, I work for the state of Ohio, and I, I'm not a political kind of a guy. So, working in a political setting it just gets to you after a while and, and, and they can move you around here and there. So I got moved at work Mm -hmm. to a different position that I didn't necessarily love. And I said to myself, like, this is just dumb. Like you can do whatever you want to do. And you love doing the gym podcast. You already have the equipment. Let's, let's see if we can do our own. So I talked to my friends, Amy and Charlie, uh, who I, I've been friends with for years and they work out at my gym. And I said, you guys want to do a podcast where we just sit around and talk CrossFit, basically what we do every night on our tech strings. Um, except for this time, we'll just record it and we'll put it out there. And if someone listens, great. If not, it'll be for us. So that's how it started out. And then, um, I actually happened to be friends with Saxon Pancheck and he and his brother Spencer come to our gym quite a bit to kind of help us out with charity events, things like that. And so I, I called the called sex and I said, Hey, would you mind coming on and just doing an interview and we'll come up to your gym. We'll let you put us through a workout and then we'll interview at you afterwards. And so we did that. He almost killed us. We interviewed him and had just had a blast. And, and then viewership started taking off a little bit. Then the same thing happened with Christy, uh, Aramo O'Connell and her husband, Patrick, and they, their gym's only like five minutes from my house. I said, Hey, can we come in, do a workout 
and then interview you afterwards, did the same thing there. And then it's just blown up into, well, what does it hurt to ask somebody to come on my podcast? They may not know me. They may know me. Who knows? Mm -hmm. And we'll just start interviewing people. And that's how it's rolled into our, our current format, which is we do one celebrity interview a week. And then we do one sit around the round, sit around the table and chat about CrossFit Hmm. thing a week. And that's, that's, it's kind of blown up into something that's, uh, now we have sponsors and, um, it's actually helping pay the bills and it's pretty cool and we, we love it. It's the love of my life and I want to keep doing it for as long as I can and hopefully, uh, quit my current job and look for something more down this line. That'd be, that'd be really uh, a special way to kind of transition into something that is, you know, just about your, your love for the lifestyle and, and the, the philosophies of of working out. It's fantastic. I've, I've listened to quite a number of the episodes already. I haven't gotten through all of them because God knows I listen to an awful lot of CrossFit podcasts Uh, and there's, an awful lot of them out there. So I'm trying to get through as many as I possibly can. I got to say that your, your format is ideal because it, it, you know, it, it really gives, uh, you know, an every person's perspective into the, the fitness lifestyle, the, the banter between you and your co-hosts is really entertaining. Um, and just sounds like a bunch of friends sitting around just chatting about whatever's on their mind. So it's, it's, uh, a really great format. And I'm looking forward to how you guys wind up talking about what's going on this week with the games. Well, I'm excited too. Um, actually when I'm done here, uh, we are going to start a series this week and it's going to go into the open is, uh, uh, Amy versus cat. Uh, they are doing two of the games workouts today. We're going to edit it together so you can see it side by side. Mm -hmm. And we're going to, Charlie and I are going to commentate over it. And let them kind of pipe into like, this is where the workout gets really rough. Yeah. Or, um, and so I'm really excited because that's kind of like a new venture for us. Um, that's but, exciting. But it's a, and it's a way to jab at each other. Cause that's, we love doing that too. <laughs> that's for sure. And so in addition to the Clydesdale fitness and friends, you launched beyond the journal as another podcast. Um, can you describe what your goals are with that podcast and what the, what the subject matter is? So that's actually uh, probably a deeper love than even the Clydesdale fitness and friends. The celebrity interviews are great and I love hearing what they have to say. Mm -hmm. Um, but what, what really gets my heart going is people who have stories like me, Mm. people who have overcome major obstacles. And so the premise behind that is to, take journal stories like mine um, where they took two days of footage and got down to eight minutes. There's a lot of missing pieces in that story. Yeah. And so we're going back to people who've had those done. Um, We just did one today. It was actually a written journal story of a woman who was hit by a car at 40 miles an hour and CrossFit is what saved her life. I think I remember reading that journal article. And so we're filling in the gaps. Where is she today? And right. it turns out that um, she actually had leukemia after that incident and had to overcome that obstacle. Wow. So that story was published in 2018. Mm-hmm. And in the two years since, now she's had the leukemia battle. So not only do we fill in the gaps of the story 
from before, but we catch up with them to see where they are today and see what they're, they're going through and what they're overcoming even into today and how CrossFit plays a major role in that. Considering how long the journal has been around, you've got a lot of data to mine there. We do. And, and those are the best stories. I mean, those are the ones that fill your heart. Those are the ones that give you the goosebumps. Um, the one we actually recorded one earlier in the week as well, where I fought back tears talking to the woman. Uh, it was, it was so emotional, but those are the stories that really get me. And it doesn't necessarily fit completely in with our, our other podcast format. Right. Um, we do some human interest stories on that, on that show. Uh, but really people are looking for that's that celebrity piece and the round table. This is kind of like a sister podcast where we get into the emotional stories and the human interest. Yeah, it makes sense. It has a, it has a unique focus. And that's just a once a month release at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, now that we've started it, the stories are coming in a little bit faster than we anticipated. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it may pick up to maybe a, a twice a month format. Uh, Kat and I are still working that out. Right. Hmm. So many interesting stories in, in the CrossFit world. You're certainly not going to be lacking for content. No. Hmm. But in, in our other format, they were hard to find. Now that we have a podcast dedicated to it, it's like the stories are finding us or people are yeah. telling us, hey, did you know this one? Yeah, I'm sure there are people reaching out to you. Actually, I'll, I'll probably send you an email with a couple of ideas from from uh, our gym because uh, <laughs> there's there's been such incredible stories. Um, and, and it didn't hurt that I had my own journal story because mm-hmm. I did get a lot of emails and a lot of comments on social media, people going through the same thing, people telling me their stories. Um, so there's a lot there that we have to mine through as well. I think that's where those stories become that much more rewarding. Like people can identify themselves in the stories of other people. And, you know, as much as I I absolutely love and aspire to be like the top level athletes, it's much easier to see yourself reflected in other people that have had everyday challenges um, with their fitness and, and things that have happened to them in the box, outside of the box. Um, You know, it's, it's just a much more accessible way to understand the impact of a lifestyle change that, that we're seeing in so many people. And, you know, from all walks of life, thanks to social media, you wind up being able to connect with people all over the world that have experienced similar things. I think that is my favorite thing that came out of the, the documentary Mm. is getting to hear other people who have overcome the same obstacles I have. So what are, what are the, the next big plans for you both with, I mean, obviously you're, you're talking about the aspiration to get to a point where, um, you know, you might be able to make a, a career out of this, this fitness thing in one shape or another. Um, what are you looking forward to most as your, your next milestones in your life? I mean, you know, you, you've got your, your coach or you, you are a coach. You're taking a little bit of sabbatical on that side of things, but you're getting your fitness back. You've, you've got, uh, two of your own podcasts in addition to the podcast that you're doing at the gym. How, how much more can you take on? So right now my goals are to get, to get healthy again, uh, as, as shown in the documentary, I had a leg disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going through some very intense therapy right now uh, to get that to to finish up and and uh, 
be healthy again. And so as soon as that's done, I'm, I'm ready to get back to full go at the gym. Um, I've been working on my nutrition through this whole time, which has been really good. And, and, and my friends at, on the podcast really got me started with our nutrition challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so it's, that's the number one thing is to get back to full go on, on my health and my fitness. The next piece is I'm actually working on some stuff behind the scenes, uh, to help me move out of my current job and they're not fully fleshed out yet and other people are involved. And so I can't really disclose what those things are right now. Uh, but there are some opportunities out there where I may be able to quit my job and move uh, into some things more CrossFit aligned. Hmm. And with the, with the health, health issues that you're working on now, uh, are, is the timetable on that known so that you have a sense of whether or not you might participate in the open in February, for example? Uh, yeah, I should be able to do the open in February for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so my right leg, I, I think I said in the documentary, I used to have 15 wounds on my legs. I'm down to mm-hmm. two. Uh, the, the right leg is just about to close. Oh, good. Um, and so we're going through some intense stuff for that. The left leg is getting much, much better. Uh, it's just probably a couple more weeks out. That's encouraging. That's, I mean, that's, it's been a, a long process, I'm sure, but, uh, you know, you've, you've made it clear that your determination is kind of unstoppable at this point. So, uh, you know, one way or the other, I'm sure you're, uh, you're going to be able to work through it. Um, it's gotta be, it's gotta be fairly challenging when you, when, you know, to, to have these, um, pauses in, in your progress. Um, how do you, how do you stay positive under those circumstances? Well, I wish I could tell you that I stay positive every day. Uh, but just like any journey, it has its ups and downs. Um, I have, I have some pretty, pretty far down days, uh, still to this day. Um, but the one thing that I'm, I'm trying to do is surround myself with people who won't let me stay there. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Kat and Amy, um, and my friend Brent and Mike, uh, and Charlie, they just, they don't let me stay there. As long as I'm open and honest and I tell them where I'm at, they, they get me back up and and saying that we're moving in the right direction. You got to stay positive for it to stay moving in the right direction. And basically let's go. Yeah. It's important to surround yourself with, with people that can help lift you up, especially when you need it. And you have to be able to, you have to be able to surrender and ask for help. That's, that's, if I look back at my journey, when I asked for help is when everything worked right. That's true. None of, none of that would have happened without you being open to the help in the first place. Right. And that's, you know, a lot of people ask me, how do I, I have a brother or I have a cousin who's in, was in the same spot you are, or you were in the same spot they are. How do I get them to go to a CrossFit gym? And I'm like, you're never going to get them to go. Mm-hmm. You just have to let them know that it's an option and you just have to keep loving on them so that they trust your advice. Right. Because it's going to take them surrendering and doing that. Oh yeah, for sure. And and you know the 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 positivity that that you show in the progress that you've made and in 
the decisions that you've made to help yourself along the way, I mean, that, that goes a long way to inspiring others to find a similar path for themselves. Um, you know, I, I'm, uh, I'm just, I find the fact that you're as open as you are about the, about the journey that you've taken absolutely remarkable and it's inspiring to people from all walks of life, regardless of what their challenges happen to be, because not everybody's going to have the, the, the exact same, um, obstacles in their way, but it's, it's the mentality, it's the approach to overcoming those obstacles that, um, remains somewhat similar from one person to the next. And it's, it's that, uh, openness and willingness to ask for help and being accepting of that, that help when it finally comes that, you know, makes the, the difference. And now you're turning around and, and helping others by telling your story, by becoming a coach, by being such a, a valued member of the CrossFit community. It's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's commendable that you've surrounded yourself with the same positivity that ultimately got you into the community in the first place. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just the best thing that's ever happened is getting a part of this community. Well, Scott, I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to, to chat with me today. Um, there's, uh, you know, so many people that, um, you know, need to hear, um, these positive stories, not just about fitness and health, but, you know, certainly in, in our current times where everyone is, is battling the, the pandemic at the same time, it's, it's important to remain positive and look ahead to, you know, brighter skies that lie, uh, in our future. So, um, you know, thank you very much for taking the time to chat with me. And I hope that your story will continue to be spread as much as possible, um, both through, um, uh, you know, interviews like this and through your podcast, through the, the CrossFit journal. Um, and hopefully more and more people will wind up being introduced to the stories that you have to, to share about other people that are overcoming obstacles as well. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, it was a lot of fun and i um, glad you had me on. Thanks a lot, Scott. Our time is up. Let's move on to the M wrap-up. It's hard not to be completely blown away by the dramatic change of direction in Scott's life. And to me, it's not dominated exclusively by the phenomenal weight loss, which is astonishing in of itself. To me, it's the lasting fundamental change in Scott as a person, with his discovery or rediscovery of the inner athlete that he had growing up. He's clearly changed at almost an atomic level. He is ingrained in the fitness community, not just in his gym, but turning his passion outward. He's more than a fan at events. He volunteers. He got his CrossFit Level 1 and has his L2 on the near horizon. He's launched two of his own podcasts with co-hosts that share his passion, and he's working to put the pieces in place to make fitness passion into a career. That's so much more than a weight loss story. So I hope you'll look him up on, uh, on social media and follow him to follow along as he continues his journey. Links in the show notes. That's it for this episode. If you liked it, please share it and maybe even drop me an email at podcast at boxjumper.ca. Follow me on social media at boxjumperover40 on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting app so that you make sure that you get the next episode right away. And finally, add your email to the BoxJumper mailing list by visiting boxjumper.ca. Thanks for listening. More to come on the Box Jumper podcast. Until then, stay healthy, wad happy, and wad often. 